film fans, today we have uh, six new releases. Wow. Well, actually seven, because we're not counting Shaft, because we didn't see it. Well, Dan saw Shaft. Yes, but and Dan's Dan, not Dan's here. wife's out of town, so Dan's... It was weird. Dan had to go to New York while his wife was out of town, so he had to scramble to find someone to watch his child, and I offered to, except there was a hockey game. Yeah, well, I offered to, too, but I was going up to DePaul when my son was honored with an award. That was very nice. So, sitting in a dance seat, Jim Tudor. Hey! Hi, Jim. We're glad you're back. Thanks, Lynn. And we're glad you watched movies this week. <laughs> I have. I've been on one other time, and last time I didn't have a whole lot to contribute other than my entire rambling life story. Oh, but people loved it. Yeah, it was good. All right, so let's start with the big one, Men in Black International. Not with Will Smith or Tommy Lee Jones. They're featured in a painting. Yeah. And Frank the Pug is in it. Mm. And My Emma favorite. Thompson is in it. And those string bean smart aleck aliens are in it. For one scene. Yeah, but they're on the poster. Yes. Because they're trying to make people think that this is part of the thing. So my daughter's like, I saw the first one. And I said, I think that's all you need to see. Yep. Because the second one is all about the princess that falls in love and then it doesn't matter. What? And then the third one is all about the uh, going back in time because Tommy Lee Jones didn't really want to do it. And therefore they, they got Thanos to play a young Tommy Lee Jones. And jo- it was Josh much, made much later. Right. Yes. The second one was made right on the heels of the first one, and then they waited a long time. Well, Tommy Lee Jones didn't want to do it. <laughs> well, who can blame him? I mean, my understanding is the second and the third are not well received films, and they're no. not very good. Well, and I, I never jo- saw actually them. Josh Brolin's really good as playing a young Tommy Lee Jones, but that but you can tell Will Smith's heart is not necessarily into it. And the second one, the whole thing about um, they bring in the girl to be. Uh, an agent, and then she's barely in the second one. Oh, if, Linda, if Linda Ferentino? Linda Ferentino. Yeah. Because at the end of the first one, she's an agent. And then is she even in the second one? Or did I they just. I not remember. I saw. Exactly. It. So that's the thing. You don't remember. But what you do remember about the Men in Black movies is that they were funny and they had heart. And this one features. Well, from Endgame and Thor Ragnarok, you have Tessa Thompson and Chris Hemsworth as your two leads. And that's they have a chemistry that's already built in because you've already seen them in movies you've already seen because they're playing Valkyrie and Thor. And so you already know that they can work off of each other. I don't know why this movie doesn't work. There are no jokes and there are no um, – what's the word I'm looking for? There's no heart. Heart. There, there is no heart in this movie. Yeah, I agree, Carl. This movie stinks. <laughs> um, I, I sat through it. And I just, oh my gosh, I couldn't wait for it to end. And yeah, it, yeah, Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson just kind of plugged in here. But they and they, you, um, you can feel them. You can feel that they enjoy working together. Yeah, yeah, and you can feel that they're not having an awful time making this. Um, Liam Neeson and Emma Thompson, for gosh sakes. Uh, play higher ups in the organization. Um, I think Emma Thompson was in the third one. Someone I didn't see the third. Someone one. in the audience was saying that. Um, so there, there is continuity. Yeah, I suppose. Who cares? Um, <laughs> it doesn't matter. This is not a reboot. It is, in fact, a sequel. But it's a sequel that just happens to not have the original characters in it. Right. Right. It's kind of like the what they did with Born Supremacy. 
rather than Bourne identity, even though they keep saying that there is going to be another Jason Bourne where both Hawkeye and fake Thor are going to be. (laughs) Yes. So here's the thing. They they are the men in black. There's a big new intergalactic threat of some sort. And it all comes down to this operation that went down in Paris in 2016, uh, which created um, back when uh, Liam Neeson's character and Chris Hemsworth's character were partners. Right. They were, they were men in black, you know, boots on the ground guys. They went in and they saved the world from this entity called the Hive, except we don't see that scene. And and then we go on and we find out in the whole movie that Chris Hemsworth's character has been coasting on that ever since. And he's kind of... And Liam Neeson's uh, character is in charge. Yeah, now. he got a promotion because of it. and Because um, they saved the world with their neuralizers and their wit. Their wit, you yeah. Will, you will hear that line a lot. Yes, that's important. And uh, yeah, in the meantime, Tessa Thompson comes in. Now, this character I thought was a big problem. Well, no, I thought I thought the way that they introduced her was great. She, her parents were neuralized when she was a kid, except that, is there anyone else in the house? Uh, our daughter, she's asleep. And so she sees everything that goes on. And oh, my daughter caught that big twist immediately. She's yeah. like, I don't know. So uh-huh. she's not neuralized because they have an alien encounter. And so for the next 20 years, once she goes from teen to adult, and this isn't stuck with her her whole life, that they all think that she's weird because she believes in aliens and she knows what's going on. And so she tries to be in the FBI. She tries to be in the CIA. And they do not know about the men in black. So she finds the men in black because she wants to be a man in black, even though she, as she says to Emma Thompson, what, what about this? And Emma Thompson, like, that's a bigger battle that we have to fight. Yeah. The whole and so, thing. But huh? you've seen... You've seen the commercials in the trailer where Chris Hemsworth says, men and women in black. It's it's so throwaway. It's, it doesn't matter. And so she, I like the way she's introduced, the way that she finds out about aliens and she wants to find them. And she gets as far as she does just by knowing that what she knows. And I, I liked that. And it's a different character than Valkyrie because Valkyrie was the kick-ass warrior. And it's a different character that she played in Creed because then she's just the girlfriend and so I like the way – and Tessa Thompson's using an American accent as she has done in like – does she have an American accent in Endgame or is she using a foreign accent in Endgame? I can't remember. I can't remember either. You know, she first appeared in uh, the Dear White People movie. That's, okay. That's where she got to be famous. And I noticed her right away and I knew she was going to be big star. And, then and she's, she's likable. Yeah, she's very likable, and she played a rebel DJ in Dear White People. Oh, she's the lead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mm-hmm. never saw Dear. And then they made a mm-hmm. TV series mm-hmm. out of it. Is she is she involved in that in any way? I don't think so because she's, she's practically in every movie that's out. I mean, she's in a lot yes. of movies. But we just named four. Big, she was in the, two of the biggest <laughs> movies that she was in were movies of the year that year for highest grossing. Yep. Yeah, and like. Uh, you know, like Chris Hemsworth, I want to see her do well. I want to like her in movies. Um, this is not that movie. Uh, her character, I'm sorry, it's just the most boring character ever. She's this, you know, fully competent, strong female character who makes not one wrong turn throughout the course of the whole movie, but she except ma- for once, where she gets in the wrong <laughs> side of the car. And she, may, But she also doesn't have anything. It's not written well. No. And oh, we forgot uh, Kamal Nunjami. I said his name wrong, yeah. but... Camille Nanjani. He's the voice of the little alien. This four-inch tall, little smart 
talking alien and and he's a chess piece he's he's yeah a living alien chess piece that that swears allegiance to them and therefore they have he's running around with them through the rest of the movie you said carl there were no jokes in this movie um he actually has two that at our screening got laughs okay well yeah he's the joe pesci lethal weapon three character exactly oh okay. yeah it's like why is he here oh that's why he's here to tell jokes and to, he's he's got some he's if you watch Silicon Valley or if you watch The Big Sick, yeah. he's his dry sense of humor, or his stand-up, he's got a very dry sense of humor, and he makes that work in this movie, which needs a shot of humor. You need Ooh. you don't know which one's supposed to be the straight man, which one's supposed to be the funny one between They don't know. Right. Between Hemsworth and Thompson. You don't know uh. which one is supposed to be the one. You'd think that you think that Thompson would be the straight woman. I think that is the case. But Hemsworth is just he's can he not deliver jokes? He, Thor, he's great in he Thor can, Ragnarok. He's very funny in that. Oh, Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. He's hilarious. Yeah. He can deliver jokes. We know this. Um, I think both these actors think that they're the lead. And, <laughs> you know, they do that thing in the credits, by the way, where, you know. They're equal. They're equal, yeah. Um, you know, like the Cheers credits where it's Ted Danson, uh, uh, left hand of the screen, but low. And Shelley Long's name is up high, but, but on, on the, the right on the because right, we read left to right. So whoever's on the left would, you know, get, you know, prominence mm -hmm. um, psychologically. Uh, so, and Tommy so you, Lee Jones didn't care. Right. Yes, yes, exactly. That Will so, Smith was the lead. Yeah, so here we have Chris Hemsworth, I believe, on the left but low, and Tessa Thompson's name is up high. I believe this dates back to the Towering Inferno with uh, uh, Steve, Steve McQueen, McQueen and Paul, and Paul Newman. Newman. Right. Where they had to this stagger, is how we'll do it. Yeah, stagger their names because they, <laughs> they couldn't decide who it was the a big battle. first star was. And, and they, they, did they, I don't think they even had any scenes together, did they? They did not. Well, maybe at the end there when they're... Oh, yeah. I yeah, think they at look the at end, each other. They right. look at each they other because they That they didn't just, even need to be filmed together. Was yeah. it in camera, though? Or, or was it like an editing look at each other where they're uh, it's, it's right by the separately. fire. It's yeah, right, it's right, right when the, the whole fire's about. over there looking at each other. They're in front of a fire engine, and who knows? Yeah. yeah. Because one was on the ground and one was in the it's building, and they the didn't truck. need to be filmed together. Right. All right. So back to this movie. Oh, and you know who's wasted this movie? Everybody. Well, <laughs> Rebecca Ferguson. Is oh yeah, name? Rebecca. You forgot she was in this movie. Yeah, she's a another. She's an alien arms dealer that kind of has a third arm, as you've seen in the trailers. Yeah, it's which they Hemsworth. ruin it for you. Yeah, Chris Hemsworth is so inept um, at this point in the film. It's pretty late that she shows up. They go to her her deadly island, and, and he's even, a man in pink at this point. That's oh. how. And inept. she even says. Why is he wearing pink trousers? And that's supposed to be a laugh line. Yeah. And nobody. Oh, does. my God. Yeah. Is that what they're relying on for laughs? Yeah. Oh. Well, the previews to me looked absolutely terrible. And it looked like they were just throwing in bigger toys. Pretty oh, much. They do have big guns in this movie. They are throwing so much money at this, Lynn. Um, the studio, I think, is pretty desperate. They are like... You could just imagine these executives in a room going, okay, Disney is dominating everything. What do we have that we can bring back that's popular? Well, that it's people Sony. Want? Yeah. So they spent a lot of money on this. I mean, there's just money everywhere. F. They, Gary Gray, who made Fate of the Furious, mm -hmm. directing it. Uh, Barry Sonnenfeld is, he is an executive producer, but you do not have his touch on this because no. he was the director of the first couple. And so... And he, that was his baby. He made it, he made it have heart. True. And Barry Sonnenfeld was great at this. This was, for a while, this is what he was only doing. 
He's the one that uh, rejuvenated the Adams family for the movies and was so successful. Well, he's not an impeccable filmmaker by any stretch. He's made a good bunch of duds. Like, wasn't Wild Wild West his? <laughs> yeah, and there were a, he's had a couple of real duds. That's what I'm saying. Yes, but but Carl, you're right. But as far as Men in Black is concerned, uh, he's in the zone. Mm-hmm. He's and he's man. great in that, he, and he and Will Smith and Tommy yeah. Lee Jones, and they all just they made those films work, and they made you want. To, they made three of them. Yeah, that you wanted to see because of the acting and the directing. And this movie, I mean, nothing against F. Gary Gray, right? But F. Gary Gray, <laughs> no, I'm, that, ah! that that's not fair. That's not fair. I'm because, sure he's heard that before. Well, I'm sure. I, I apologize. That was a that was a that would have been a joke that was in this movie. Yeah, yeah. It's not it's not a thing. I have one more thing about this movie. It's about the very 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 end. Very very end. Okay, so I'm sitting there and I'm in the theater. I and I'm the credits are rolling and the and mm-hmm. and I sit there and watch the credits. I, that's something because you were one of those people. Well, no, I, I just do it. I've always done it. Um, I I it's a good time to compress and let the movie sink in, mm-hmm. and you can enjoy the music and. You know, kind of mentally unwind from having watched whatever you just watched, you know. And, 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 you know, yes, you're honoring the people who made it as well just by watching their names drift by. Even if Um, you're not paying attention. Sure. Now, everybody else in the meantime has been trained as good little Marvel Studios fans to sit there and uh, wait for maybe a bonus scene. Which, by the way, doesn't exist here. There is no bonus scene in this movie. There is one in Toy Story 4, though. Oh, good. Well, the, the guy behind me... Um, it gets to the point where the final logos are scrolling by, and mm-hmm. this is Columbia. So you know the Columbia lady with the torch? Yeah, she, they, they've made the same joke all these movies. Well, I don't know if that's—anyway, the, the thing goes by, and you know you know the flashy and mm-hmm. neuralizer. The guy behind me goes, oh, they should—the torch should flash like a neuralizer. That would have been a funny thing, and it doesn't. But they do it. It does. That's how the movie starts. At the beginning, they do it. Yeah. See, he's saying they should do it at the end, so they can the, make the torch, you forget the movie. <laughs> that's what I said. I was like, "Yeah, you're right," and I wish it worked. <laughs> well, he was responsible for Nine Lives. I knew it was one of the biggest duds ever. I don't even know what that is. That they didn't even show it to us. It's the one where uh, Kevin Spacey's the cat. Good lord, that. Oh, yeah. oh okay. Ew. <laughs> that was the last thing he did. <laughs> well, do not don't don't waste your time on Men in Black International. And you thought they've been if they were spending a lot of money on it, they would get one of the original Men in Black to show up. They do not. Not even if you if you're hoping that Tommy Lee Jones shows up for like a half a second, he's he's a picture. Yeah, or a painting. Right. It's not even them. I can't even imagine he and Will Smith wanting anything to do with this I think here's what's missing from Men in Black International. Um, The great thing about the original movie by Barry Sonnenfeld and everybody, it's it's a Dilbert kind of workplace, but with bizarre aliens and undercover. And and that Dilbert workaday kind of thing mm -hmm. is not in this movie. No, because Hemsworth's not good at his job. Yeah, and also they do do they do the same joke that they've done. I think in every single one of them, they show a um, they have the big screen that has uh, aliens that are currently on the planet. Yeah, and they, and they show exact same the jokes. exact same people that you think that they were doing right. in 2019. Same jokes. It's painful. Oh. Painful. All right, it is let, painful. So well, what is not it. painful but it is a workplace comedy is late night. <sighs> Mindy Kaling and oh Emma Thompson and Emma Thompson who you just mentioned Emma Thompson finally has a role because she hasn't had a, a 
really good. I mean, she was Mrs. Potts in Beauty and the Beast, but talking about real meaty showing Emma at her best. This movie shows Emma at her best. She plays a very acerbic talk show host, and she is hell on wheels. She treats her writing staff terribly. She doesn't even know all their names. She doesn't even know one guy died a few years ago. She's that callous. She's hasn't been relevant, hasn't had good ratings for years. The new network boss is Amy Ryan, hmm. who does not suffer fools, and Emma won't give her the time of day. So she has concocted this plot where they're going to get rid of Emma. They're going to bring in this lowbrow comedian played wonderfully by Ike Barinholtz. Okay. And who was just so good as Meathead on the All in the Family live thing that Kimmel and Norman Lear did. Aha. Uh-huh. And he uh, also uh, was uh, – he's been doing some good – so anyway, he has bathroom humor mm-hmm. and is – you know, and she prefers more highbrow. And she also has guests like Doris Kearns Goodwin, oh. who is a national treasure. So I will basically, say. She, she's Letterman at the end. Yeah, and she uh, uh, and and they're like, oh, Kevin Hart's on Fallon playing Slip and Slide. You need to be doing this stuff. <laughs> so they're mocking all the late night shows and the jokes, which is really funny. So they're making and, fun of Fallon. Yeah, did and, they make fun well, of all of them? No, no, they don't ever mention Colbert or Letterman. And and do they I mention th- Conan. Or do they just mention Fallon? I think they make fun of Fallon. But they, they talk about the other ones in a good way. Like okay. they mention Kimmel, but they don't mock him. But okay. they and, and then there's a, there's a cameo by somebody. Okay. And uh, so anyway, it's probably it's, James Corden. <laughs> You're not gonna say. All right, that's fine. Because Paul Schaefer. It's Paul Schaefer. Is this movie good enough no. that I would care about ruining yes. it? Okay. Oh, all, all right. right. Okay. You you would like it, I okay. think. Uh it's well written. The only thing I don't like about it that I, I wanted to like it so much, I thought it was going to be a, a good combination of the Larry Sanders show and 30 Rock. Okay. Because those were so brilliant. Which one written. is it more like? Um, I would say it leans towards uh, 30 Rock okay. more. but That means it's more mean. I would say that Larry Sanders was more honest. Or, or more weird. Yeah, Larry Sanders uh, showed people as they were. 30 Rock showed um, uh, just... They were uh, making fun of the, the network, and the network yeah, didn't know it. Yeah, so this is just making fun of basically our base humors. Like, she, they want her to put YouTube stars on TV who are just, you know, mm-hmm. like smelling their dog's butt kind of humor. Uh-huh. And so they mock how low we've gone <laughs> as, as for our distractions. Mm-hmm. But Mindy Kaling plays a diversity hire. Do they, know, they know she's an Indian woman when they hire her? Uh, and no. That, no. Well, uh, Emma Thompson just wants a woman. And, and she finds uh, an Indian woman. Dennis O'Hare, who's who's wonderful character actor. You've seen him in, in tons of things. And he won a Tony Award for hmm. Take Me Out. Anyway, he plays De- uh, Emma Thompson's right-hand man. So he hires... Mindy, stop who plays be- a girl stop named Molly. the table, please. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. He, <laughs> he, uh, he hires a, a, a Molly. Mindy Kaling basically plays a version of herself, uh, but smart, smart girl. Is it like The Office when she was hired as a writer and then they became, made her an actor? Uh, her, her character in The Office, though, was so vapid. You know, yeah, no, but so, she, no, no, I'm talking so, like behind the scenes. That oh. She was a writer and they made her an actress. I've heard it's based on that. 
Okay. Yeah, yeah, it has some of that. And then she apparently wrote this for Emma Thompson. The only thing I don't like is she involves romance in the workplace, mm. which, you know, and then and then she follows into formulas about women trying to succeed in a man's world. Reed Scott from Veep, who is really good playing a jerk, he's the monologue writer, and he is threatened by her, well, totally course. resents her, and uh, he wanted his little brother to get the job. Oh. And uh, so they all, the, the writers are terrible to her at first, but then they eventually come around. But John Early, who's a funny guy, mm-hmm. and oh, he's three names, he's chubby, he was in Black Klansman, and he always plays a doofus. And I just am forgetting his name right now because... He's a doofus. Yeah, I left his... But, he, but he's in... You know, he's in... So, so the writing staff is pretty mm. funny. And Emma Thompson just calls him by numbers. Oh, oh writer number one. Yeah. Why? One, two, three, four. And so it has... A, it is so smart and has such good topical current things in it that if you like that kind of style if you fancy yourself as a as a smart person you will uh, like this and a fan of late well, who comedy? doesn't we're we all fancy ourselves as smart people um what interests me about this movie and i didn't get a chance to see it and i wish i could have because late night shows have you know, always been a part of my life up until Letterman quit. Then I turned it off and never turned well, I on. Still, I still watch Conan. I wish I could watch Conan. I don't have cable. Anyway. Um, TBS app. It's free. Oh, that's very cool. Um, anyway, uh, the uh, here's the thing. The, the notion of a female late night host who wants to hire a woman. You mentioned Emma Thompson wants to hire a woman writer because uh, all the other writers are men. Why? Because she is getting um, jabbed as uh, somebody who's really out of touch. And uh, this guy comes in who starts it like saying, you should give me a raise because I have a family. And she just goes off on him. And then she decides that she needs a woman in the writing room because she needs better jokes. And she... uh, But she's a woman. Right. And they tell her she hates women. That's basically why she hired her because they go, you hate women. She's like, I do not hate women. Then she decides, I'm going to hire a woman writer. But she really does have an attitude. Does she really hate women or does she just hate everybody? She just pretty much hates everybody except her husband, John Lithgow. John Lithgow is very good as her husband. So it's a story of a woman talk show host, very powerful woman in the business, who has, for whatever reason over the years, surrounded herself With with men underlings and doesn't even really think about that. Until she's made to think about it and enter Mindy Kaling. Yeah. Okay. And and then she, when Mindy Kaling says what she feels, then she totally berates her. Uh-huh. And then she's crying under the desk, which, you know, as a woman in male-dominated newsrooms, I know you should never cry. <laughs> but you, but you've, had a, you've had a woman boss, though, haven't you? Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, but not in newsrooms. I've okay. had women bosses in PR. All right. Okay. But, um, but yeah, no, it's just, it's a, it's about a woman trying to make it in a male-dominated field, about trying to be t- uh, taken seriously, not trying to be seen as an object, not trying to be seen as uh, irrelevant. And then it's also, it does mock a little bit about... Everything's got to be so politically correct. 
A little bit. Okay. okay. So it's a bit. smart comedy. Yeah, it is. It's really good. I gave it a B plus because I just was bothered a little bit by the formula. You know, it's just like, why are you going that way? Why don't you do something unexpected or, you know, but you could, you don't need to be Einstein to figure out where this movie's going. Aliens. They could have aliens. (laughs) But the people in it are so likable to watch that I'll I'll let it go. Okay. Good. Late night. Late night. And it's it's opening kind of wide, even though it's at the art houses. It's the Tivoli, the High Point, Chase Park Plaza, and then a couple Ronnies and a couple AMCs. A couple Ronnies, huh? It, oh, it'll no, be, not a couple of Ronnie's, Marcus. It'll be on Amazon soon enough, correct? Yeah, because oh, it's, it's, it is Amazon. It's produced, it's produced yeah. by Amazon. Right. Yeah, so I don't know when that's going, but they're making a big push. Yeah. But I could see Emma Thompson getting nominated because she's brilliant in this. She's just... Yeah, she's not brilliant in Men in Black. and But, but she's barely in it. She kind of evo- elevates the scenes she's in. Well, for people who are looking... For an Emma Thompson movie where she's just merely showing up and cashing a paycheck, Men in Black International is the movie <laughs> for them. For the people looking for a good, smart comedy, smart uh, Emma Thompson performance that we may not have seen in a little while, maybe Late Night is the way to go. All right. That's what I'm hearing. Yes. Next. Okay, we have Echo in the Canyon. It's a documentary about the California sound in 1965-1967. And I thought, oh my God, this is the soundtrack of my life. It's Buffalo Springfield, The Birds, Mamas and the Papas, The Association, which only gets one song. Yeah. And Is it Windy? No, Never My Love. Oh, that's also a good song. Windy. That doesn't come up, does it? No, it doesn't. Yeah. And, and the Laurel Canyon, to be fair, um, when it was all those singer-songwriters just exploding and folk music as rock, that was, uh, they don't even get into the later 60s when it was James Taylor, Joni Mitchell, Carol King, which I wish they would have done that too because that is a big part of it, that whole area of Los Angeles where they all gravitated to and they all were like, hey, listen to this. Let's play this. Let's do all that. That was wonderful. If they would have just stuck to those musicians and told that story, this would have been fine. Yeah. But they had, and I'm a big fan of Beck, so Beck. I, don't, I don't mind him. But they brought four musicians in that did a concert. They, a modern concert of this music, 2015. Jacob Dylan mm-hmm. is the narrator here. He's like the host. Yes. And... I haven't heard from him in a long time, so I've just not been paying attention, yeah. I guess. From the Wallflowers. Well, yes. the Wallflowers, and he's Bob's son. Right. But yeah. also, he is the like only and sole member. It's like Panic at the Disco. It's Brendan and everybody, and like Nine Inch Nails. It's it's one guy. Jacob right. Dylan is the Wallflowers. He's the Wallflowers, and whoever he happens to surround himself with at the but time. I would, I would actually take back that Nine Inch Nails, because now it's Trent and Atticus. Okay. But before it was just Trent, but now but so but the Wallflowers is Jacob Dylan. So they put on a concert 2015 called Echo in the Canyon and it's Beck, Regina Specter, a woman named Cat Power who I never heard of. Yeah. I yeah, know. I know. And She's and, good. and uh all good musicians. All good musicians. They they bring in Nora Jones for a number. Yes, they do. And so it's Is it's, Tom Petty there? <coughs> excuse me. No, Tom Petty's not. Tom Petty has his last interview on camera and he's in a guitar shop and they're talking guitars because basically they're saying that the Beatles 
were such a big influence, and then the birds were taking folk songs and putting them... Rocking them up. Yeah, rocking them up, and they created this poetry. But yeah. the, if this is all about Laurel Canyon, Tom Petty grew up in Florida. He did. He talks about that. Right, but he came out, and, and he loved the sound, and it influenced him so much, and I guess Jacob Dylan would could get him for the movie. Um, <laughs> and, you know, he gets a lot of screen time. That um, is not a... Uh, ringing endorsement you well, just said, Well, Jim. isn't it rambling? It's just a rambling thing. And then they bring up that French film, which I don't even get. They keep showing scenes from this 19 Jacques, called Model Shop. Jacques Demy's Model Shop, which I'm a Jacques Demy fan. I've never heard of. I'm not. I guess I'm not a very big Jacques Demy fan, but I <laughs> I appreciate his films. And uh, what the heck was that one? I don't. And they they say that the reason they just this guy from Columbia Records, he was the president from yeah. 2001, 2007. Andrew Tommy Slater. He no. Andrew Slater, and he, um, made this movie. And he talks about they were inspired by this movie model shop they saw one day to decide to do this movie about Laurel Canyon. So they do have people from that period. They have Graham Nash. David Crosby sells some great stories. Crosby still He's Nash. great on Twitter. David Crosby is. He's great in this movie. He is. He, yeah. he says, he, <laughs> when he's saying why he quit the birds, he tells the real story. Well, and, of course he does. He doesn't, he, David, that's why he's good on Twitter. He doesn't care. I mean, if you lean to the right, you might not like. But that's David it's Crosby. It's David Crosby. That's, it's musicians. What do you expect? And, and Kid Rock's the only one that's going to be leaning to the, you know. Well, is Kid Rock in this movie? No, no. I'm just saying if you're going to look for right-wing musicians, there's not uh, There's not a long are you saying, line. Are you saying there's no country music in this movie? No. Not really? No, no. It's all about the, the, Laurel, uh, Canyon. the, the Laurel Canyon. Michelle Phillips gets interviewed. Uh, Graham Nash, David Crosby. See, a Steven lot of these Stills. guys are not considered rock anymore. They're mm. considered seventy singer songwriters, and not necessarily they're the folk guys. Back then, they were considered rock because rock was the broad, wide spectrum of sound. And now everything is laser focused. You have to be your emo punk or your yeah. new metal or your or your country or. <laughs> but right. rock is rock is alternative rock. There's classic rock. There's mainstream rock. Folk rock. Folk rock. And this, back then, it was just, it's just rock and roll, man. Yeah. 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 And it just shows that time because they were so influenced by the Beatles. Ringo Starr's in this. Okay. And uh, I really like the Roger McGuinn se- sequences because they talk about how Rubber Soul, Byron Wilson listened to it, so then he made Pet Sounds. Pet Sounds. And, and then, then, then the Beatles made, made uh, Sergeant Pepper. Pepper. So they talk about yeah, that. All which, of that, yes. Which is good. It's, it's, it's just all like connected. Like all their creative spirits are connected and how vibrant it was. And I like that. And they do have uh, Brian Wilson show up for a number. And then the musicians that are the studio musicians all look at each other like, oh boy. It's Brian Wilson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. But how is Brian on this day? It he, they just use him a little bit. He he's up, but he's not a hundred percent. I don't think. Yeah, I mean they you don't know, go to he, him for a lot of stories. But he always looks that way. Yeah, <laughs> you don't know what kind of performance you're going to get. No, what? you don't. And, and and it's not. He doesn't perform at the big formal concert that they keep showing. They just throughout sit the him movie. in front of a piano. Yeah, uh, he comes into like a, a, a rehearsal or something and and knocks out Does something. He sing? And, I don't, just a little, that, I think they're just, they're just tinkering. Okay, it's so yeah. Lynn, you like this movie more than Jim did. No, I gave it a B minus. Okay, here's the thing about this movie, in my opinion. Um, 
the 50-year anniversary of the Laurel Canyon sound is what inspired Jacob Dylan to go and make this and track everybody down and talk to them. And, you know, does he talk to his dad? No, no. Although it's funny. One of the great David Crosby moments is early on when Crosby's talking about how you know the folk rock evolved and you know you had people in uh in these you know uh, uh the at the festivals no no in the uh new york uh, uh village uh the greenwich village area and and you know you had this person riffing on that person and they started in you know working in this sweeter sound is that what it was and then and he kind of looks up and at jacob and he goes and then then your dad dylan he goes and then Dylan came in and then they cut to Jacob and he's standing there just like drawl with, you know, black sunglasses on and they're, you know, he's like, you'll have to be more specific. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, so <laughs> I, I thought that was pretty funny. Um, yeah. Well, the whole inside Llewellyn Davis was supposed to ugh, be like that. Yeah, I know. Ugh, I know. I, I was so, I was so disappointed movie. with that movie. Oscar Isaac. It's a good movie. It's not a good movie. It's a there's one scene that's great. Mm. The spaceman scene is amazing. Mm, that's a good one. So anyway, with I, this I didn't movie, care for. That. I hated that movie. Sorry, Jim. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. With, a lot with, of people liked it. Uh, not a lot. I I, um, with, <laughs> I, I say it's lower rung. I think um, I've seen it a couple of times just because my son Tim loved it so much, and I kind of sat through it again because he wanted to point out to me why Here's I should why like it. Why you're wrong? Yeah. yeah. And so you after weren't. the third time. <laughs> I did see parts of it. I still don't give it a. Sorry. I still didn't it, vote for it at the end of the. You know how like we were supposed to be voting for it for the end of the year. And, I did. And I, I did. I voted. You could for or you worst couldn't. Film. It was up to you. Right. You I know. Voted for right. Worst but I was just. Disp- <laughs> I mean, I think I, uh, Oscar Isaac. That was one of his. You know, one of. His I did first. not know he could sing. And uh, Adam Driver, of course, is in it, and I like anything he's in. So. Echo in the Canyon. I'll tell you this. I, these. Here's the fundamental flaw, I think, besides the fact that Jacob Dylan has no energy on screen. He has no, no. charisma about this. He, no. He, he says he says he's interested and we believe him, I guess. But, you know, there's no charisma here. And then the whole conceit is, you know, we're going to go around, we're going to talk to all these icons who were there at the time. It's a time and the place, man. It can't be repeated. It's a special, unique thing. So... And then also, what are we going to do to make this more modern for the movie? We're going to stage a concert a show. with modern day uh, musicians who are good. Like you said, you know, uh, you got your Regina Spector and your Beck and everybody. And these are good musicians, but they bring them out to do their versions of these Laurel Canyon iconic hits. Who they just spoke with. We just <laughs> heard about how this can't be replicated and it was a magical time for then and it's gone now. And now we're, and now here's Cat Power and company to recreate uh, the Mamas and the Papas. Uh, you know, it's just like, I, it's fine, but it's not... We just spoke with them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and why didn't it's, you just put them in front of a microphone? Yeah, and, and their versions don't hold the candle to the, the no, originals. No, they don't. And, and, I, and, yeah, and they're sitting there looking at the and, old album covers, yeah. and they have nothing really to say, and yeah. it takes a long time. Oh, this was a good album. You know. Oh, this was a good album. <laughs> and oh, this is a good album, too. It was ambitious, but I think it was also limiting because... Uh, it does have too much of an inside baseball quality. Hmm. Yeah. 
All right. Well, a little echo in the canyon. So don't see it. In I'd, the I'd say just play a bunch of records if you're from in, that time. Well, you know, if you're interested in this sort of thing, just wait for it to come on to one of your streaming platforms. Did and you, some night you can just watch it. Did That's, you guys see uh, Sonic Highways, the HBO special with nope. Foo Fighters? I put some of it. Yeah, which I, I'm I'm also a big fan of Foo Fighters, so I enjoy their work. I think isn't that what Dave was trying to do going yes. into all those cities? Yes. And so you think that uh, Jacob Dylan sitting around? I could do that. Yeah, yeah, all this happened in 2015, and it took this long for this movie to come together. I know. Wow. And another thing is, to the major so flaw, really... is they just assume that you know all this stuff. Oh, really? Yeah. They well, just also, then it's not Tom Petty's last one, because he I'm sure he did other... Uh, it's his last released interview. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's what they call on film. Uh, they okay. made it. They made it clear. They gave every that... single caveat that you could give? Yes. All right, moving and, on, Len. Yeah, What's let's next? move on because uh, we're there are, okay. There are more. Um, there's. I'll let you guys talk about the dead don't die. So I take a break before I get to American Woman. Okay. So, okay. Jim Jarmusch. Zombies. Jim, what can you tell us about Jim Jarmusch? Well, Jim Jarmusch is considered the uh, founders. An, one of the founders. Well, I don't know about one of the founders. He is at this point. Jim Jarmusch's career has gone on for four decades. He's highly respectable in the indie film world. In mm-hmm. fact, at this point, uh, just by used, uh, inertia here, mm-hmm. he, he's considered kind of an indie godfather, uh, indie film godfather, and well deserved, by the way. His films are very uh, sardonic. Mm-hmm. Um, the humor is the driest of the dry. Um, even when he makes a comedy, it's a very straight-faced kind of droll comedy. Um, he's he's a just he's one of these forever curious individuals, and he surrounds himself with other actors like that who are just interested in the esoteric corners of life, like, like Bill Tom, Murray, Tom Waits, and mm-hmm. Bill Murray, and you know, presumably Adam Driver, and these sorts of people. Um, Chloe Svangi. Yeah, the cool actors. And man, this cast is more of them than he's ever had. In this, Tilda Swinton. Yeah, and, and Jarmusch doesn't do a lot of genre pictures. He's done, uh, uh, by my count, four. Um, the Dead Man with Johnny Depp in 95 was a Western. And that was huge. Yeah, and that... But but it's still an independent film. It yeah. wasn't huge. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. But I mean, I'm talking <laughs> right. about in terms of the cachet of the indie. Oh, right? it was a it was lauded. Let's just say well, they that. wrote they wrote that book that it had about Jarmusch and Kevin Smith and uh, Spike Mike Spike. Slackers and Dykes. Yes. Yeah. And that's it's a, he, it's about that whole time and place. Jim is used as shorthand for independent films of the '90s, along with Kevin yeah. Smith. And even Spike Lee. Right. And so, oh, because that's the book. And also, um, oh, and Mike, it's... Uh, Figgis? No, it's... it's uh, Mike? Mike Lee? No, it's not Mike Lee. It's uh, it's Michael Moore. Michael Moore. Oh, that because guy. Because he made... Roger and me then. That's right. And so all so yeah he that's that was an independent film yeah. and that, that documentary did it very well and so you, if you're interested in uh, if you're interested in uh, independent film of the nineties you should read that Mike I Absolutely. mean you should read that book but Jim Jarmusch's shorthand for independent weird um, laid back 
It's it's, it's a type of Jarmusch. More, I would imagine more people know the name than have seen his films. Droll, esoteric, um, very rich. I I like his movies it's, a it, lot. But, but a lot of people still haven't seen his films. They yeah. they they talk about him and and as like, oh yeah, that's that's very Jarmusch like. Right. But Jarmushi. but they haven't really seen his films because yeah. he hasn't made a lot of big hits. You were mentioning uh, the four and oh, I, uh, I, uh, Ghost Dog with uh, Forrest Whitaker. Ghost Dog I, Way I of the Samurai. A lot of people uh, have seen that. That one, yeah, and didn't know it was and, it's, and Dead Men because Johnny Depp was yeah, so huge for a while. Man, um, uh, and Bill then, Murray with the coffee and cigarettes and broken flowers. Oh, yeah. coffee and cigarettes. Coffee and cigarettes was a uh, anthology film that Jarmusch filmed with various actors. Um, you know, little vignettes here and there over the years, and then finally cobbled them all together in oh four oh five for this thing called Coffee and Cigarettes, which is I think a blast. Um, you know, it's a draw blast, but it's a blast. Well, Stranger in Paradise and Night on Earth were his ones that kind of put him in the right out there. Stranger than Paradise was a very big deal in the indie war. I mean, that's like 84. Yeah. That put him on the map, that particular map anyway. And uh, I think he won Ken with that. I mean, it was, you know, very, you know, black and white, gritty. Theater um, yeah. theater critics, or, I'm sorry, movie critics like him. Oh, sure. Um and uh, yeah, case in point, I like him. Uh, one, um, of, uh, one of his uh, one of his more normal movies was a couple years ago, Patterson, where Adam Driver played the bus driver in New Jersey. Yes, or as Mark Kermode on his uh, show uh, says, uh, uh, Adam Driver plays a driver named <laughs> uh, Patterson who lives in Patterson in Patterson. <laughs> Wow. So, but, but it's so yeah. different because you don't even know Jim Jarmusch because like, you're like, he directed this? Yeah. Okay. Oh, so, so this is yes. his zombie movie. Yeah. He had made a vampire movie called The Dead, or uh, what was that called? Only Lovers Left Alive in uh, 2013 with Tilda Swinton and Tom Hiddleston. Now Tilda Swinton returns to this movie. This movie is the least Jim Jarmuschy movie I've ever seen. I it's oh, Selena Gomez is in this Selena movie? Gomez. Yeah. The cast list. My God. Gosh, as they say on the poster, the greatest zombie cast ever disassembled. Uh, this movie is the silliest movie Jim Jarmusch has ever made. It's not very Jarmushy. It's not. But what it is, when it is Jarmushy, it's not the movie. There are like three different movies going on here. Yeah. And the cast, some of the cast is in on the joke. Some of the cast is not in on the joke. And as a viewer, you are wondering... What's going on? It's supposed. It's not a straightforward zombie movie. It's no. not a straightforward Jarmusch uh, wink at the camera movie. It's not a straightforward comedy. It's not a straightforward drama. It's very. Uh, it's. It's like three movies put together, and they and they didn't tell all the rest of the cast about the films. Yeah, it's very. It's very weird. It's very it, – a lot of people will be turned off by this movie, even if they're fans of Jim, I think, because yeah. it's, not, it's it doesn't go farther one way or the other. It stays right down the middle. It's a lark. It's a lark. It's a, it's a footnote in everybody's filmography here, including Jarmusch's. It's, it, that's all it's going to be. It, it's weird that this one's getting so much publicity. It's because it's a zombie film. Yeah, it's a zombie film, and Bill Murray and all these popular actors uh, are in it. But it's, uh, boy, I just don't see this mattering at all in the greater scheme of anybody's career. And these are some pretty important talents we have here. It's, it's not that um, it's not good. It's just that it's not good <laughs> it's just it's just kind of there and and you can just tell it's like okay when when movies are being made and i can attest to this it's you know you could be making a serious movie and 
jokes happen behind the scenes and you're always tempted to include the jokes in the movie. Guess what they did. Okay. Well, uh, Jim Jarmusch has never been one to kind of go that route until now. Uh, I don't think they, I think they just made the decision to not resist any dumb joke. I mean, and here's the level the humor sometimes operates on here. Um, the RZA from Wu-Tang Clan. Mm-hmm. Okay, he's in the movie for like two scenes. He's a delivery driver for not UPS, but WUPS. See, that's, oh. that's cool. Yeah. Uh, Rosie oh. Perez plays a TV reporter who you see on television giving the exposition about the situation every mm-hmm. now and then. She, her, her reporter character uh, is named Posey Juarez. Yes, that I, I thought that was the first time. It was cute. Yeah. I'm like, oh, it's Rosie Perez. Oh, it's Posey. Posey um, Juarez. And Every then, time. Oh. And then yeah. I- Iggy Pop is in the movie. <laughs> oh. So in a horrible role, uh, the I- Iggy well, Pop. Well, yeah. Uh, Sturgill Simpson. The musician. The musician. Yes. He's in the movie as a zombie as well, but his music is used throughout. Well, it's one song. Right. Uh, this is a world where only one song exists. Yes. Um, if somebody picks up a CD and looks at it, it's that one song, and it is called "The Dead Don't Die" by Sturgill Simpson, and they talk about how good this song is. And and it's the only song heard in the movie. And then over Adam and over Driver and over. Says, well, of course you're gonna hear this song, and uh, of course you're gonna hear the song. It's the theme song. Bill Murray says it's the theme song. He's As like, in Bill Murray doesn't yeah. know what's going on, but Adam yeah. Driver think, knows he's, he's in oh, a movie. Yeah, the theme song. Oh, okay, the theme song. Got it. Caleb Landry Jones is good as a yeah. as a. What kind of store is that? It, I, I am. It's a. It's gas like a station. gas station that's also a comic book store, yeah, but it's also like, like where a, everyone goes for supplies. Uh, <laughs> it's a nerd store. There's like mm-hmm. zombie movie paraphernalia all over the place, and he's selling uh, memorabilia and like about groceries. zombies. Right. Yeah. And then Steve Buscemi's in it and Danny Glover. Oh, Steve Buscemi plays the Fox News crank uh, wearing the hat that says, the red uh, uh, hat that says, keep America white again. And, and he's wearing this hat as he's talking to Danny Glover Danny as Glover's they have breakfast buddy. together. Right. <laughs> They're having breakfast together, but he's wearing a keep America white hat on. Keep oh. America white again. I mean, it's like grammatically whacked. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's that kind of dig at those kind of Mega. people. And Carol um, Kane's in the movie. We've given you an amazing cast. Oh, Tom Waits is in this movie, yeah. too. Well, he did work with Tom Waits. He did movies. Many times. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. He plays a character called Hermit Bob, which if there's a character called Hermit Bob in a Jim Jarmusch movie, you better believe it's going to be played by Tom Waits. Mm-hmm. And it is. And but he is. And he's he's actually great in this movie. Yeah, but he's still just wandering around muttering. It, but he's good I mean, everything that's what that you want, does. I guess. Um, is it like, okay, only Lovers Left Alive got a lot of good press. This yeah. is and not going to get no, good No, this isn't that. So doesn't bear any resemblance to that at I'd all? I'd say not at all. No. No. Okay. This is it, a lark. They're just goofing off. Um, back in the 80s, Alex Cox, you know, who made like Sid and Nancy and these mm-hmm. play movies. Alex Cox made a movie with a bunch of, you know, a similar cast, a very sprawling cast of rock and roll luminaries and interesting esoteric actors called Straight to Hell. And they were riffing not on zombies, but on the spaghetti western. And mm. they just kind of went off and made this to kind of blow off steam. And the movie's good. It's got spark. It's got more spark than Dead Don't Die. But if you're familiar with Straight to Hell by Alex Cox, and not many people are, um, that's the movie that is most in common with Dead Don't Die. It's just that kind of thing. It's like a bunch of interesting people get together and blow off steam. And there are a lot of scenes where nothing happens and they're sitting, driving around. Adam Driver, sometimes silence can be... uh, 
suspense building or it can uh, build up tension or it could just show the mundane mm-hmm. acts of life. Yeah. This is because they needed to fill time. Probably. They just, you know what? We're, it's only an hour and 47 minutes long. And they're like, you know what? We probably need another two minutes. So let's have Bill Murray and Adam Driver drive down the road. Well, Jarmusch has had driving th- scenes as kind of this, uh, you know, almost transcendental kind of Cathartic. break from, you know, like in Ghost Dog, there's a lot of driving around. And in Only Lovers Left Alive, there's a lot of driving around. Um, those yeah, scenes kind of are more poetic. This is just kind of like, oh, now we're in the car. Uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but things happen when you're driving. They're driving. They're not driving anywhere. No. They're, in fact, there's. They're in a small town, and it. Yeah. It's and it also makes no. There's also some. Uh, I have a pet peeve, a continuity error. As right. they're driving through town, and then they make a right. There's a sign welcoming you to the town, but they're driving into town, so it should be behind them. No. Uh, well, yeah. And That's that weird. happens more than once. Oops. That's but okay. Did we need another zombie movie? I don't know. Who cares? I, it's not. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's. You're, I, zombie, you're, you're a big fan of his. And so. Zombie fans aren't going to like this. It's too funny and too stupid. Very stupid. Yeah. And uh, Jarmusch fans are just going to be like, well, all right. And then and, Tilda Swinton, that is oh out of nowhere That's, too. She plays the, a. The uh, coroner. Who is a. Uh, Katana wielding uh, martial she, arts. She knows all about the zombies. Zen, right. yeah, and you know she's like, you know, something out of Kill Bill uh, dropped mm. into this. You know, she's fine. She's fine with all the zombies being out there. And, oh, and and Rosie Perez tells everyone the exact reason why the zombies happened. Yes, <laughs> and no one cares or does anything no. about it. Well, it's gobbledygook. I mean. Mm-hmm. It, 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 there's an eco concern woven throughout this movie that, you know, it's like an, a smarter version of this would take the eco concern uh, that Make presumably caused the zombie. And, well, no, and at least pit it against this uh, looming business of dread and doom, which Adam Driver keeps telling everybody, this is not going to end well. This is this not going to end, end well. well. So that's throughout the movie. And, you know, it's like, okay— we can save the planet with eco-minded action or we're all going to die anyway and what's the point? And, and there's a tension there that isn't mine. That is also dumb because Adam Driver knows that the movie is not going to end well and yet he does nothing to stop it. No, not really. Because he doesn't care. Except he keeps saying, "I, I you know, it's like, Okay, this eco stuff. Okay. Adam Driver drives a tiny, you know, one of those smart cars. Smart cars. Those mm-hmm. like they're like the size of half a car, and and it's. The, I think it's all about the visual gag of the smart car of comes a, driving of up. Kylo Ren. Come, oh yeah, and the door opens, and then out unfolds, you know, six foot plus Adam Driver out of this tiny little dinky clown car, and he um, has a Star Wars keychain, and that yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that, that's been in the trailer. Okay, and okay. So, and that would be the best So part. Tilda Swinton says, Star Wars keychain, huh? Cool. Yeah, he's like, uh, shrug. Yeah, exactly. No, I, because he's he's in on the joke and he doesn't care. It's going to, so... people are going to walk out of this movie and be like, whoa. What just happened? Okay, well, whatever. It's, honestly, it's forgettable. <laughs> oh, All right, Lynn, tell us, tell us about one of the indies that you saw that was good. Okay, American Woman actually was far better than I thought. It's a very horrible title. 
American because it makes you woman. think of uh, the Guess Who song Doom. and or, it's, or the Lenny Kravitz. Very, yeah, it's, it's very interesting. Stay away from me. <laughs> Sienna Miller. Okay, I like her. I do too. She has had quite a varied career. I guess her last big. Oh, you've movie, met her. No. Oh. I guess her last big movie was American Sniper. Have yes, where she uh, had the. Uh, no, I've not. She had. Would, did she have the fake baby, or did Bradley Cooper have the fake baby? She has the fake baby. No, 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 no. She has, when they use the doll. Yeah. Because I remember the scene with him holding the doll like a football. Oh, yeah. But she's, she, does she even, like, have any scenes with him? Or are they mostly on the phone? It's mostly on the phone. Yeah. But... Well, they had love scenes in the beginning when they hooked up. Okay. Oh, that's true. But, yeah, no, mostly her role in mostly American Sniper role. is the worried wife. wife on the phone back home. Chris Kyle. Right, right. right. She's, she's, I miss you. Please come home. Yeah, yeah. Well, she's also known as the blonde girl in the the Factory Girl. She played Edie Sedgwick, and she also played the girl Tippi Hedren mm-hmm. in the HBO movie about the filming of the birds, the birds. and how weird uh, Alfred Hitchcock was how, towards the blonde, the, the Baroness in GI Joe. Yeah. Well, this <laughs> nicely you pulled that out of your ass. All right. So <laughs> and it hurt. So she's playing pretty white trash in this one. It premiered at the Toronto Film Festival, and it's just getting released now. So, but it has a good cast. Christina Hendricks from Mad Men <laughs> plays her sister that lives across the street. She's in Toy Story Four also. And she, uh, and then Aaron Paul. From Breaking Bad, yes. Jesse. And Bojack Horseman. Plays uh, a future husband. And Amy Madigan plays her mother. Oh, from Field of Dreams. So it's quite it's quite startling to see how old Amy uh, Madigan is yeah, but in this movie. Yeah, I know. A woman of a certain age. Right, I know. Which uh, probably about the same age as me too. And but no, she, she, was, she was playing Kevin Costner's young wife. In Field of Dreams, that was what eighty five. Well, it's it's thirty years yeah. actually. We we're going to talk about that long movie news. time ago. Okay, so it's an evolution of a woman. Eighty nine. She navigates the trials she, and tribulations. This she with a third arm. This <laughs> takes place in uh, rural Pennsylvania, so mm. it's the Rust Belt and Amish she, country. She is no, no. The other end of it's Pennsylvania. Uh, it's yeah, and so she is a a, a mother of a teenage daughter who has. Also a son, so she got uh, pregnant in high school. Okay, hold on. She's a grandma. She's a grandma. Ding okay. ding. Okay, but she's only like early thirties. Okay. Okay. I have. And I, I know people like that. Yes, and her a daughter uh, is going to. She had a kid at fifteen. Her kid had a fit, kid yeah, at fifteen. Yeah, it's that kind of situation. Okay, so she's, she's having an affair with a married man, and her sisters all like. Is oh, that who knocked her up? No, 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 no. She did not marry the baby daddy because he didn't want to have anything to do with the baby. Okay. Okay. So she's on her own. She's living with her daughter. The daughter's got the baby. The daughter's baby uh, daddy, uh, the daughter's baby daddy is uh, trash. Also. And so it starts out like that and you're like, okay, here, here we go. But in surprisingly twist, she has... This evolution, she gets education, she gets a better She's trying to better herself. Her, she's trying to better herself. She has terrible taste in men. Terrible. They're either controlling, we abusive, blah, 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 all that stuff. <laughs> okay, so, but then she meets Aaron Paul. And I will say this about Aaron Paul. He hasn't had quite the success after his three Emmys for playing Jesse in Breaking Bad. But he yeah, leans. Yeah, because he, he did a video game movie. 
Yeah, and and what Need for Speed? Yeah, oh, God. and and uh, but I will say this: he leans in. Well, he's he's making his money doing BoJack Horseman now, <laughs> and he also was in one of those series about cults or so, one of those. You know, there's so many. But Aaron Paul, uh, he is a good actor. He, he is a good actor, and so and but now he's playing White Trash again. No, he's the good guy. Oh, he's he he's works not white in trash. a he works in a factory, but he's a good guy. My trash can. But I I won't say exactly he's a good guy. Okay. But oh. but he's better than anybody she's ever had. So she's making a step up. Yeah, she's making a step up. But what the, what is the catalyst for this movie? And what is the whole part? Which is kind of weird because it's like two movies in one. Is her daughter goes to meet the baby daddy for dinner something, and she never comes home. So apparently they had a fight. She went to her friend Jenna's house. She left her friend Jenna's house at 10 p.m. Nobody's seen her since. So she's missing for all these years. And Sienna Miller has to raise the grandchild. Zombies. Oh. So wait a minute. So you don't know if if something bad happened to her or if she just disappeared and went away. Right. And so there's always that. So there's that whole thing of grief. There's this whole thing of her daughter. It's it's rather bizarre. Now get this. It's written by the guy who wrote Out of the Furnace Ugh. and Run All Night. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So he wrote this heavy duty female movie, and it is directed by Jake Scott, Ridley Scott's son. Okay. So do things blow up? No, there's nothing that blows up in this. This is a family relationship drama. So it's Jake Ridley Scott's son. Is it like, you know, visually stunning and promising, but then not good? No, <laughs> no, it's not really. Well, he, he basically has had a career making yeah. music videos. So you okay. liked this film. I gave it a B, a uh, solid B. American? Give it a B or a B minus? I don't know. Got a B minus. Well, the reason is because... It is like two movies in one, and it just does it work. Okay, you know, at first, at first, it's like the Jerry Springer show, people, mm-hmm. you know, and then it evolves where you do see her progress. Sure, and she has to deal with a lot. And it's the Sienna Miller's big, yes, uh, it's performance her, yes. breakthrough, like celebratory. No, because no one's going to see this movie. Yeah, uh, but this is the word that is being purported that that Sienna Miller has turned a corner here into respectable actress territory, and we need to uh, Pay take attention. notice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. So this well, might you think this will get her better work? I do, and also you know how like Charlize Theron with Monster. Yeah, but um, she not was quite. A, she won the Oscar for that, I know. Yeah, but, but this isn't that level. But it's like that. It's like a pretty girl. Yeah. A June movie's not going to win an Oscar for best actress. No, probably not. No, they would say if it was if she was that good, they would have saved it till November, December. Yeah, maybe it's she, a festival thing. She learns Impossibly. that she doesn't need a man to define her. Yeah, one of those. I don't movies. need no man. And she gets what? better jobs through education. So it's so the message very, is good as well. Very yeah, it's exciting. a it's a natural progression. It's a simple little movie. Mm. I wish it would have been better. Okay. But I was surprised at that it was as good as it was. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. Okay. Next film you saw is that the your, indie. you guys. What saw did we see? Nonfiction. Oh, nonfiction. You saw nonfiction, Carl. I did. I saw nonfiction because I like personal shopper and i also like the clouds of sils maria same filmmaker olivier assez we en français and this movie is in french by the way so if you are adverse to subtitles 
you will not care for this film. There's no English at all. Yeah. And, and get over it, by the way. Exactly. But I'm just saying, I, hey, if yeah. I'm not going to try to convince you to see right. this movie. Our, I will. Our buddy Dan loves this movie. Oh, does he? He loved it. I say I say it's too talky. It's very talky. And I say and you you will see famous actresses without their clothes on, which is <laughs> Juliette Binoche, right? A little yes. bit, a little bit. And I, and I and more and then the other girl, the yeah. blonde girl, the uh digital Here's the story of nonfiction. It's a story about how our lives are being changed by digital. And if you're a book writer or if you're a blogger or if you're doing something or, or if you're a reader because they, they discuss how print books are better for you rather than having a Kindle or a Nook or an e-reader. And there's a big dichotomy about that. And then uh, Juliette Binoche is an actress but and then everyone's sleeping with everybody else. Yeah, and and by the way, her as an actress, I think is key here. Well, um, she's on a procedural. A procedural, right? She's on a cop show and she in France, hates it. and yeah, it's it's boring. It sucks. It's a cop show procedural for crying out loud. Are you going to make another series? I don't know, and, but they need the money, so yeah, maybe I can't. You know, if I say no, then I'll put all these people out of work that work on the show. I need. I know. I want to do and, theater. Yeah, she's <laughs> she's a better actress than this. That's clear from the movie, but. Uh, the the films you mentioned that immediately preceded this by Olivia Assayas is, is Personal Shopper and Clouds of Sils Maria. Now, what do these three movies have in common uh, other than Assayas? It's Julia Binoche is in it playing an actress mm-hmm. in all three films. So this is kind of what I consider the Olivia Assayas actress trilogy. Okay. And this is, I think, the worst of the three. Yeah, well, I don't want to say worst because that implies it sucks. I don't. I don't think, I don't it, think sucks. it sucks. I don't think it's very good compared to those other two. It's good. Um, it's not as good as the other two, um, and it's talky, as you say. But I would think people who how far into this podcast are we? An hour? Yeah. It, it, you know, if you're listening to this sort of thing, aren't you a fan of talky? Yeah. I mean, you know, so watch the talky movie too. Um, it's. Uh, it is but, talky, but the talk I don't think is boring. But uh, okay, so you have two different stories. You have the story of all these people, their interpersonal relationships, and then you have the commentary on the digital age. The, that's a kind of the running thread. That's the thread. But then, d- did you care about any of these people sleeping with anybody else? A little. Um, the the um, okay. There's a publisher. I don't know this actor. Apparently, he's, he's you know, French. These are all French actors who are, you know, you you known. would not probably know any of them besides Juliette Binoche. Binoche, right? And so, she's married. The she's Juliette Binoche is married to the publisher. Yeah, and and the publisher he turns down the new book by this like frustrated, womanizing, myopic, highly respected but not very commercial author who he's published every book by in the past, but now he's turned down the new one because enough's enough already. And he he their biographies about himself and all the his torrid yeah. affairs, but he he masks them in Fiction. fiction. He's like, oh, oh, is this person this person? Right. I'll never tell. Wink, wink. Yeah, or or just he just lies, um, you know. And the women in his life understand that they're going to eventually show about. up in one of these mm-hmm. things. Um, interestingly, his wife, who he's cheating on, um, everybody's <laughs> like you say, everybody's, everybody's with everybody else. else. Yeah, and his and I wife, felt bad for her. 
Yeah, yeah. She's the only person that's not, well, we don't know, but she's the only person that's not having an affair. And she even knows that he's having an affair. And she calls him out on it several times. And then when he finally does admit it to her. He shrugs. She shrugs. She's like, of course. I I knew. Yeah. And he's like, "You never knew." Yeah. No, yes. I knew. I, I knew. I and uh, duh. It takes it takes place over a course of eighteen months, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. And so everything, and then, but they don't tell you that. You just have to figure that out on your own. And if you're a fan of this kind of film, you mm-hmm. should be able to figure it out on your own. Yeah. So here's what I have to take away as well. Um, just on a broader level, uh, there are three movies this week that uh, that that I think have a connective theme and that is men in black international dead don't die and nonfiction they all have meta winking breaking the third wall moments and they can be better well there's (laughs) that sure um some better than others um but but they all do this all three do this um they they look right at the camera there's a moment in nonfiction uh where it uh they're talking about who could read the uh, an, an ebook. A cele- this is towards the end of the movie. A celebrity ebook. We need to get a celebrity. You know, maybe the, mm. we'll hire so and so. Maybe we'll hire. Now I'm going to say it. So right. if you want this not spoiled, just you know, for the next put it on pause for put it on pause for twenty three. Yeah, skip two one. We should hire Juliet Binoche. Oh, do you know her? And then Juliet Binoche's character is like, Yes, I know her agent. I'll just yeah. That's that's in the movie. Meta. They could oh. they could not resist, um, and it's fine. It's just they couldn't resist. Now, Men in Black International has a similar moment, and uh, and again, if you care, uh, I will now spoil it. Three, two, one. Chris Hemsworth is fighting Rebecca Ferguson, and during the chaos, he reaches and grabs a small, like, three-pound mallet. Oh, and, and he holds no. it up like, now, nah, what's the line? Now things are going to change. And then he, got, and, and then he and, sees how small yeah, it is and he goes, a, I thought this would be bigger. Right. And so there's that moment in Men in Black International. So, again, breaking the third wall, and I we already said how. I, I, would say, I would say not to do that on the Jarmusch film, because that is a big thing. Oh, no, I won't do it on the journey. We've already, I think, said it a little where uh, just Adam enough. Driver's talking about the theme song. Right. Um, so, yeah, it happens in that movie as well. So there you go. There you go, guys. It's a it's a, meta it's a, it's a fourth the- wall breaking yeah. weekend. Meta, which isn't going to really break the box office, no. is it? It's a very sluggish time for the box office. I saw a headline and it said, will Men in Black help the sluggish box no, office? It will not, no, it will not no. get out of the slug until next week when Toy Story 4 opens But it up. has alien slugs in it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's unfortunate. And the last movie, none of us saw because we were either busy doing hockey or working. And or... the reason Dan's not here is Shaft. Oh. And he said Richard Roundtree said very few words on the press tour. There there are three uh three uh three shafts. generations of Shaft in this film. Yeah. Uh Sharon Ottenreath saw this film for my uh site Zeke film. Yes. Uh she went and saw this during the Blues game 7. Uh and uh she said initially she came out of the theater and enjoyed it and then she saw the hockey score. And then score. caught herself and went, wait a minute. You know, and like th- there's problems with this movie. And in her review, she breaks down what they are. And a lot of it is uh, related to uh, notions of toxic masculinity and modern feminism. Well, don't and they, how don't the movie they deals that? with that. It's very. I they, in the trailers, they make it look like 
it's not just a boys club. Right, exactly. They try to make it. She, she says, well, a lot of that is lip service. Um, and a lot of it is, you know, it's like Shaft himself has to be a little woke, which is weird. Now, which uh, which Shaft? Who Who's the main Shaft oh, in this? Oh, well, I guess is it Roundtree the- or is it... Uh, Samuel Jackson, or is it the kid? Well, apparently the kid Shaft has to man up and, you know, shake off his effeminate, uh, you know, kind of, you know, skinny jeans. And, you know, Samuel Jackson, his dad Shaft is worried his son's probably, you know. Eh. Really? And Yeah, that's in the movie. So this, <laughs> is, all, this is all very retro-minded, I think. So it, t- it could take place in the 70s. It should take place in the 70s is what it sounds like, but it doesn't. It's current. So, th- th- yeah, Tim Story, who made those fantastic... Fantastic Four movies and uh, what else did he do recently? Um, Anyway, he uh, Ride Along. He did Ride Along. Oh, yeah. These, okay, he makes these sorts of things. And this is a comedy, apparently, a comedy Shaft reboot. Really? Uh, Yeah, Three Generations of Shaft. And it sounds like it's... uh, Awful. Uh, trying to shock <laughs> us with its uh, uh, attitudes towards certain things mm-hmm. and our sensitivities and challenge our sensitivities. So it's okay to be gay or is it not okay to be gay? In and this movie, I get the impression that maybe he thinks it's not okay. So I don't, uh, you know, again, it's like, how did this get through? Mm-hmm. You know, how did this get through? Ser- seriously. Okay. I don't know. I haven't seen the movie, but anyway, there you go. The first Shaft, which I did see back in the day, uh, it was just straight. It's boom, straight. Boom, boom. boom. Oscar winning. Oscar winning song. I love that song. Dum, boom. Do we dum, have boom. the song in it? There has to be. That's the through line, right? I mean, has to I, I don't know for sure. Now, did how... they, I saw the second one. I saw the uh, I saw the, the, the Samuel one with L. Christian Jackson Bale reboot. as the villain. Mm-hmm. Now I heard that since it came out in two thousand, and it was terrible. They, you know, Shaft is the cool private dick who's a sex machine to all the chicks, except he doesn't have one. have sex in the movie. No. Because no. it's two thousand, it's an action movie from two thousand, and everything's squeaky clean back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, the two thousand one was just a, a just total waste of time. John Singleton. I it know, was, but it was made him a lot of money. Uh, but yeah. then they wasn't Singleton a producer on this one too? I think Probably. before he passed away. Maybe. Probably was. Let's just know. say he was. Okay. And somebody can correct us. But right. that uh, Shaft in '72 kicked off the whole black exploitation film, Superfly, Super and all that, and it was badass. You bet it was. It was the answer to the, the Clint Eastwood Dirty Harry. Mm-hmm. And the, Man, that was an exciting movie back then. Yes. Yeah. And so for them to water it down seems twice just really sad. Yeah. Because it doesn't sound like it's focused. Well, I don't know. Or it's not changing with the times. Maybe it still thinks it's 1972. Or it's trying to change with the times and being pathetic about it. <laughs> yeah, you can't have those like Billy D. Williams uh, malt liquor ads anymore. <laughs> Colt 45, baby. Yeah. All right. All right. So here's the DVD releases. Captain Marvel's out. Yeah. Well, let's see. We're not. We're not uh, having a parade for that one. Let's put it like that. We're. I, we weren't fans. Were you a fan of the film? We it's, were. It's it's so it's so so it's, problem, it's fine. I don't know. The problem is with Captain Marvel. You don't know. You're learning as she is, and so you yeah. have no. There's yeah. no nothing to ground you, and you already know that she's the most powerful superhuman in, in right. the world, in the universe. And so them doing a sequel on this, they're going to have to give her a kryptonite. 
Yeah, and Brie Larson, by the way, uh, I love her, but not in this. Uh, no. She she uh, needs to find her way into this character. Uh, she's trying to be funny and quippy in the way that other Marvel Smarmy. heroes are, and it doesn't work. Uh, it's not, it's not that it's, it doesn't work. She hasn't earned it. No, and yeah, yeah, it, there's a painfulness about it. Um, but on the whole, I didn't. It sounds like you guys really didn't like the movie. I no, I liked it. I saw it twice. Okay, okay, I, I'm fine with it. Uh, more or less, I I don't care. I'm concerned I, about the next one. I I collect Blu-rays, and I'm not going to run out and buy this Blu-ray right away though. I'll I'll wait till it's like five dollars on Thanksgiving. Do you That's have how I'll do this one? Do you have the other twenty-two movies? Mostly. Okay. I don't like that we don't know where we are. We don't know anything. Uh, what Carl she said, the amnesia. backstory. We, it's just, it's hard to get your bearings. And the first fight, you don't know who you're rooting for because you it's, don't know who any of these people are. And it's dark. Those film, the, they need to learn something from the Russo brothers, how to film a fight. There, you don't know who who's fighting who, and it's not yeah. well shot. You can't just hire these indie filmmakers that have never done anything with a giant budget and a, expectations of an action adventure CGI and expect them to you know deliver uh, right. as these which folks is what the, what the Russos can do right the Russos pull it off but these directors it's a it's a is this a husband and wife team I don't know it's a, it's a male or sister. female some yeah Anna Bowden and the other guy um, <laughs> they they made a the movie previous to this was very tiny with uh, what was that called a Mississippi burning King? no it was where where they were on the it was Mm, sorry, folks. It's okay. Uh, ben Mendelson and Ryan Reynolds on the Mississippi River, and they're gambling oh, all the time. And mud. It's, Mississippi mud? No. Oh, Mississippi gam- the gambler. Mississippi the, gambler. It was the one with yes, the, no, with the, with the it. it's the Mississippi grind. That's it. Yes. yes. Ben Mendelson was yes. fabulous. We didn't even have Ryan, to look it up. Good Ryan movie. Reynolds. But that movie was shot for $3.47, you know. Yes. The, it's, it's the opposite. They got a budget. Oh my gosh! Yeah, and then all of a sudden, Marvel's like, "Hey, that Mississippi grind was pretty good. Uh, here's 170 million dollars. Uh, make a superhero movie. Yeah, you're uh, right. And, oh, oh, and make it like really feminist. Oh, and make it 1990s and a big space battle. And oh, by the way, this character really is important because she's going to be like the cornerstone of the upcoming Marvel universe for the next 10 years. So, so don't screw it up." That's yeah. a lot of pressure. No, I was very disappointed in it. I'm not. Dis- I'm not disappointed. I just, if you you're going to compare it to 21 other films, it's not fair, and I don't think that they they're giving. There you you get a lot of leeway with Hulk after 22 films. <laughs> you don't you don't get leeway with Captain Marvel if you just introduce her and make her the most powerful being in the universe. Yeah, and Jude Law's wasted. Annette Benning, who who cares? Like, you know, it's just I just thought it was just misguided and misfire. Jim and, would say miscast. Yeah, and yeah, I agree. I totally agree. And I had friends who went to see it and they hated it. And they told well, me, I, but they, there's also people hating it for the wrong reasons. Exactly. Yeah. I was just going to ask. Um, they hate it because it is a powerful woman that's kind of foisted into a boy's uh, genre. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they thought it was going to be Wonder Woman. They thought it was going to be like Wonder Woman. But, and, but see, that's an unfair characterization I know, as well. but that's what... They don't They don't see all these superhero movies. Yeah. They like strong women movies. Good. And, well, you know, a good movie is a, a good movie, though, and this one's just okay. 
Yeah. All right. Who, yeah. What, is there anything else huge on the, the DVDs this uh, week? I don't think we've seen any of them, but maybe, Jim, you saw uh, The Mustang? Or with Dan, Dan really liked the Mustang. I didn't that. see was, that. That's the one about the prisoners that get helped by, by working by working with, with horses, wild horses. Okay, out west. So well, no, he did and not. And it's a Math, a Matthew Shainart's. Cool. Go yeah. back and listen to uh, Dan's review earlier. Yeah, and Five Feet Apart's that romance that it's the sick kid romance. Yes, oh it's uh, it's got the girl. It's, that it's got the twin from uh, Sweet Life who's also on Riverdale. And it's uh, Haley, uh, Lou, Haley Richardson. Lou Richardson, and so Who's big deal. No, I didn't. see and it. And none of us saw it. I wanted to see it, but there was a hockey game going on. Yeah, <laughs> wah, wah, wah. Well, well, Carl. Since since uh, April second, Carl hasn't had uh, much of a life to see movies at. But that's but okay, Carl, because him. we got a Stanley Cup now. Well, one yeah. gig pays better than the other. Yeah, <laughs> that's I was true. Say, I always say that when I have a news assignment, yeah. I go news pays better than right. film reviews. Yeah. All right. So. Can I quickly talk about this? Yes, please. Guys and Dolls opened up at the Muni last week, and yes. Pinky Boots is going to be out next week. I saw, the stage is beautiful. I wish they wouldn't have taken out the tree, but the whole back covers all about the tree. I know, but that you, did you read it? No, they I, are preserving it. They're they're making uh, things happen from the tree. Uh, they've got the graftings and everything. What? And, Tree. It was this historic there was a tree old tree in the back of the set, and they and they usually if at the Muni. Yes, yeah, it was causing all sorts of problems. Yes, oh. it was a Oof. it was a very old tree that was part of that grew into the set, and it, that you had to work around it. <laughs> three hundred years old. Oh dear. Okay, so they couldn't just cut the branches of the offending. So, no, they had a whole redo, which is fabulous. And well, the I time when I had my program with me, with all the changes on it. But the back cover, they explain how the tree is going to live on. I get it, but and guys and dolls is great. If you're a fan of the musical, like I was when I was in uh, high school, everybody's I, done it in high school. I, everybody did it in high school. Sure, I did. And, in and high the school. and the songs, I knew every single one of them because I was a member of the mission, and so. Oh. And well, I, I directed it twice, so do you th- I knew every song. I love it. Were you humming along? I was humming along. I did, and I'm like, oh, I remember every single word to every single one of these songs. And now it's out at the Muni, and it's going to be here till next week when we get Kinky Boots, which I never saw at the Fox, but that's Cindy Lauper music. It is? Well, yes, um, Cindy Lauper wrote the lyrics. Yeah, she won the Tony Isn't for it. It's based on the English movie, Kinky I, Boots. I thought it was based on like an indie movie by uh, that, that guy that makes like repulsive indie movies um not john waters the, the, no the, the, harmony no. corinne no the other one no <laughs> I, i'll think of doom generation clark, whoever made that clark, not yeah, him yeah. no okay oh wow there's a lot of these sorts of people <laughs> aren't there yeah no i don't uh anyway no the i guy who made cl- kids that, that's never that. Larry mind clark. i'm Larry probably clark. wrong uh kinky boots is opening at the muni should are you excited um, I've never seen it, but it won. It won. Uh, it won the Tonys, Tonys. and um, I saw it at the was it Fox. Best book. Yeah, it won yeah. Cindy Lauper for lyrics. It Ooh. won, but it was best book. But I was not a fan of the touring show. But I hear good things. Um, the lead, the leads have all got to be great. So I think we've got original people. I'm coming. looking forward to it for one reason. As Mike Mike Isaacson came out and told everybody about the new stage, and he said we used to have guys. With up there in the rafters shooting lights, and now we've got they did. four guys on mouse pads. Those four guys better learn how to do those lights better by the next show because oh, yeah. they they were trailing those actors, and 
I'm sure it's them trying to – it was opening night, and I'm sure they were trying to get their equipment down. But I hope they get it – and I hope by the rest of the runs that they figure out how to do that equipment because they're a little late on the lights. Oh, I, I enjoyed the expanded LED screen. thought mm-hmm. that was great. I thought uh, the sound – on the sides and in the back. The sound was so much better. I was in I'm, the free – yeah, my family were down in row three, and I I wanted to see I wanted to see it with the people. And you so did. So I, I sat in the free seats. Oh, oh. I, my, uh, I haven't been to the Muni since 1997. Oh, was that a concert oh, or a show? Huh? Concert or show? I don't even know. Well, it, it was in, a show. I'm sure. In uh, uh, since 2011, it's a new game in town. I'll tell you this, but I will say the talent on on this show is fabulous. Ben Davis is so good. The 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 homegrown girl that's playing Miss Adelaide, Kendra Kassabaum, mm. she uh, grew up in South County, mm-hmm. lights up the stage. And then Ken Page, Ken Page is, is on his Abernathy. 41st show here. Abernathy? Yeah, he plays Arvide Abernathy, beautiful number. Uh, he was the uh, in the 1976 uh, revision on Broadway that was all black cast. He was Nicely Nicely. Really? Yeah. Nicely. So there's a little symmetry here. <laughs> nice. But Kennedy Holmes, the, uh, the fourth voice. place of The Voice, she is the big surprise in second act because Spoiler the girl, alert. yeah, the girl who was played, well, by now it's out because this happened Monday night, oh. uh, on uh uh, the the actress who is playing General Cartwright uh, somehow isn't the one that's in the program. Zoe Vanderhaar, so, uh, local actress, is General Cartwright, but that number requires this really high belting soprano to come out and just wail. Mm-hmm. So they get Kennedy Holmes to come out and be that person sure. for the number. So that was the big reveal. Right. So uh, she comes out, and that's the big surprise. But if you don't know... You know, it's like, because Dylan said, there's a big surprise in Act 2. And I was like, what's the big surprise? And then afterwards, I met Kennedy Holmes. So I was like, oh, Oh, okay. You're you're, the big surprise. You're the big surprise. Because she's going to be in Footloose later this year. Yes, she is. And so... Anyway, she's she's the one. She played Gloria at the one of the blues rallies. She, Carl she did, played Gloria. I do, but well, no, she did the sing along. Oh, sang, and she sang it yeah. beautifully. By the way, I, okay. I actually I, thought it was a recording. I she told did so her. Well. I told her that you. Did, I said my friend, this music coordinator, said, and she yeah. goes, "Well, tell him thank you." And so I'm telling you, thank you oh, from Kennedy well, Holmes. Thank you. I'd like to meet her one day. For a compliment. Well, oh, you she's going to be here. Well, you can meet her backstage when you know they come out mm-hmm. on that, and then. Uh, uh, getting back to all this blue stuff, they sang Gloria Wednesday, at the Muni Wednesday night for curtain call. after the after the uh, and the, they also did it at the Fish Show. They did it at the Vampire Weekend Show. They, anything that was going on that week that was musical, everybody sang Gloria, even though they didn't necessarily yeah. sing it all the way or know all the words. Did you hear? Did you hear about the girl that tweeted? She was in Lambert Airport and she yeah. tweeted, uh, "Why." Is the St. Louis Airport playing <laughs> this song Were they over and over incessantly? Yeah, because like Y ninety eight. Yeah, boy. and so <laughs> and it's really loud. And the airport retweeted uh, our answer back. Uh, we'll turn. We'll take care of the volume. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> well, but, I, but, yeah. Carl, it was featured in that, that great uh, piece that somebody posted on the web. What, where did that run? You? you? Well, it ran in um, Max, but Max I, magazine, I, and I, was I, also I posted it. Yeah, in yeah, about about your your gig playing uh, the music at the at Rob the, Levy for wrote that. Since, yeah, Rob Levy for all these years, and uh, you know that inspired me to uh, you know watch shoot, a game. shoot Carl a text. No, <laughs> not quite. My my wife became a fan somehow, but I've yet to. Well, I like assimilated. Um, no, she. I, I was inspired to text Carl on Sunday afternoon and say, "Hey, if you play Gloria by uh, Van Morrison instead, uh, if they win tonight, I'll mm. give you fifty dollars." Yes, and there's also and he, he refused. He yeah. didn't. Well, I told you why too. Yes, <laughs> but, but also there's a U two song, Gloria. Yes, that was one of the Van Morrison. Ones. Uh, Van yeah. Morrison and with them and U two, right. and there's also another Gloria. There is another one. True. Um, isn't it true though that the Van Morrison one is more bluesy? Yeah, and and is a more rollicking number, and it's not a a, a sad, um, unhappy song about a woman who can't get it together. Well, also it's it's based on a 1979 Italian disco song. Awesome. Yay. I know. I, I, what little kids singing, it just cracks me up because, you know, like. Well, you take said, a lover in the, in the afternoon. afternoon. <laughs> and little kids are, yeah, are, a, are are singing it. But the voice is in my head. I know. Um, something that I saw. Oh, Mike Isaacson comes out every uh, opening uh, show and does his spiel. And he said, let's go blues. And he goes, you knew that was coming in last night. A friend of mine was there and said he had an Oshie jersey on. Hmm, nice. So, yeah. So. What's coming up next week, yeah, lady? Yeah, next week. Well, I just want to say, if you don't have any plans for Father's Day, the 30th anniversary Field of Dreams is going to be on at several theaters in St. Louis. So, 1989. I was five years off. I, I saw I it. I saw at, it. At the, I was there the Saturday of opening weekend, and I just fell in love with it. It's in my top ten of all time. I didn't get it. I was too little. <laughs> well, I yeah. love it so I was, much. Uh, I was in junior high, I think. I was 19 years old, so I got it. Yeah. But I, um, I think I like the natural better. I do love the natural too. It's pretty much. And big. I know, and I know a lot of people they they fight over which is the better baseball movie, Natural or Field of Dreams. You can like them both. You yeah. You can like them equally. I think Field of Dreams is so much about the your uh, dad, your dad, and also what baseball is to people. People will come, Ray, yeah. when they do the whole thing about what baseball but, means to people. Oh, uh, uh, I remember sitting in that audience in '89, and that's when Costner was huge. Yeah. And and uh, when he says the line, the open the beginning when he says he learned to like sitar music in college the whole audience just busted up because it was boomers sitting there right. and so everybody identified with that character and i think that james earl jones character as one of my favorite Terrence characters Mann. in that movie is burt lancaster mm-hmm. as moonlight graham mm-hmm. that just breaks your heart well speaking of rob levy he met james earl jones and he he is a big science fiction and uh, Anglophile and loves all that stuff. And he met James Earl Jones and said to him, you know what my favorite movie of yours is? And James Earl Jones looked at him and said, I know what you're going to say. And he said, Terrence Mann. (laughs) And, and James looked at him and said, well, why is that? He said, because that's the one you're actually on camera. And James, he says, he never, he says he gets Musafa a lot. He gets Darth Vader. He, He even gets, uh, uh, the boxing movie that he did in the early 70s. Oh, yeah. He was uh, The Hope. The Great White Hope. Yeah. 
Well, he was not the great white hope. No, no, he was the other one. But that 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 put him on the map. He got an Oscar nomination. For but it. but he says, and it says baseball fans like non 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 uh, nerds. But there are sports nerds. Non nerds say uh, Field of Dreams a lot too. But he says he probably gets Darth Vader and Lion King the most. Oh, but he it, but it surprised him someone of that age. To not say Darth Vader or Lion King. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. So if you ever see James Earl Jones, tell him you loved him in something that he was actually on screen because he appreciates it. He's that. on screen in the Franco Zeffirelli Jesus of Nazareth. He's a, one of the wise men. Who oh, comes. wow. You know, he's, the he's, beginning. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, he, he did a TV series uh, Gabriel something. I'm forgetting. It was on ABC. It only lasted uh, half a season. He won the, the Emmy for Best Actor. He gets out of prison and he goes to get a street hot dog. Dave Gabriel's trumpet? Yeah, something like that. I forget. I, I'll look it up. And um, he has one of the most brilliant scenes, and that's why he won the Emmy. I, just to take a bite of this hot dog, and he just starts beaming and laughing at it because he's well, been in prison for a, a really long time. That's the thing about the Emmys. You, you do a whole season of work, <laughs> and you submit one episode. Yes. Yeah. And that, and he won. And it was obvious why he won, because that scene was so great. And I don't know how the show did, because obviously it didn't last. But he does, so, um, he does film so rare. His son was in the touring production of Come From Away that was here at the really? Fox. He was the African American guy who was also well, but but he's he, he's African American, but he's also he's also not the Great White Hope, but he's also the African guy, and he's also the Canadian guy because uh. there's only twelve people in the cast, and oh. they play like fifty five different people. Copy that. Yeah, and he's the one that has to go around gathering the grills, and he's looking at the guy like you're. Then <laughs> I can just take this grill. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, oh, he's, so, he's, so he's, he's. I did a, not know that that was his yeah, son. That was his son. He's good. either two or three in the program. It's James Earl Jones Jr. Not Jr., but it's I think it's two. Okay, so the it's second. obvious. It's like who else is James Earl Jones too? You know, he doesn't mention his dad in his little bio, but but uh, he's, he's really James Earl good. Jones the second. Yeah, yeah, he's really good in it. Another so local that means, thing. That means is he the son or grandson? Yeah, what do you think? I thought I it don't was know. his son. I don't know. But maybe he's the... Yeah, I had to convince Dan the other day that uh, Samuel L. Jackson's 70. So yeah, I'm to bet, I, I would say they're contemporaries. So it might Ooh. be grandson. I don't know. I would think that James Earl Jones is older. Older. He has to be. Yeah, but you know, there's... Uh, you don't know about kids. You never know. Oh, Look that. at Clint Eastwood. <laughs> Clint Eastwood's got kids that are... Look at uh, Alec Baldwin. Yeah. He's got like five kids yes. under the age of six. Yeah. So. All right. Next yeah. week, lady. Yeah. Next Toy week. Toy Story well, 4. Uh, Toy Story 4 is pretty much it, it for next week. But I do have the Pavarotti documentary by Ron Howard that got pushed back to next week. And it's fabulous. And I loved it. And I encourage everybody to go see it. And we'll talk about that next week. But on Wednesday night at the at the Brown Hall in at WashU is the 48-hour film project finalist. Oh, okay. And I was one of the judges the other day. Sorry. And and uh I've there's done. there's we've, we've all done it and it's No. You've not yeah, done yeah. it? Oh gosh, no. Are you kidding me? I I I I was a student filmmaker and I kind of know how badly these things can go and my, I'm sorry. I mean, I know everybody has a lot of fun on the 48-hour film contest and I don't want to disparage that, but I will. Because my my take on it has always been like, you know, 
filmmaking is virtually impossible. I mean, you know, everybody wonders why are there so many bad movies? Well, the real question when you find out the intricacies of making a movie, the real question should be how are there any good ones? Now, we're, so what you're doing here is you're taking an already nearly impossible process of making, which is making a movie, and then a grafting all these ridiculous game show rules onto it to make it all the more impossible. And it's, and it's, um, you know, amateurs. So, you know, how, how, <laughs> uh, but how good of a movie are we going to have here? Well, and then Lynn you all a, have to sit here and watch it Lynn and was look a judge. for merit. Look for merit in that? Well, I got to judge the finals. Okay. I didn't get to see the ones the that ones did that make were the absolutely finals. Horrible. There were 38 entries this year. Uh, 36 arrived on time. How do you... What happens if you get late? Uh, you don't get to... You're late. It's you're late. Sorry. No, sorry. And there were 30... No, wait. There were there were 38 uh, entries. 36 were turned in. 34 were on time. Oh, and the other thing is, I know a lot of people who participate in this they do every year, fun. and they do it, yeah. And I don't want to have to be like, oh, yeah. And they're I like, oh, so you, you're a judge, you, you, you know, and they know I saw their, their film, but I am... Didn't like, vote for it. I don't want to talk about it mm -hmm. because I know you and it sucks. So, you know, there's that. Well, Kent enters every year, and I always tell him honestly what we thought. That he sucked. Because he tends to make the finals with his group Brain Freeze. Well, um, there's a group, but you know what? How can it I'm, not suck? I'm, I am, well, okay. In you didn't have the ball in the elevator like you were supposed to. <laughs> well, another thing is, too, some people take this really, really seriously, and it's yes. the same people every year, and it's the same people winning a lot, but I, I was happy this year that we had some new entries. They might not have been good, but you've got encouraged new ones, because yes. else it's, then it's all clicky. It's that same group always dominating. The, the three things this year, the prop was... Um, a towel, okay. A bath towel, hand towel. That's a easy. Paper towel. Um, the um, <laughs> ice cream the, cone. The the, the, the the location. No, it was a uh, the line. It's it's a prop. A line. The line was we need to talk. Oh my gosh! Okay. And then the the names. Uh, cliche. They had to be. Uh, oh my god! I just forgot the name, but it was either male or female name. But they had to be a chili cook-off winner. A chili contest winner. Okay. So there's your some of them did, but, but but what's what's <laughs> what's interesting is you know they have to pick a genre. Mm -hmm. yeah. So the sports film we're calling Fart Rocky because it was hilarious. Was that the name but of the was, film, or is they that what did, you just called they, it? They they filmed it at one of those boxing clubs. Oh, but they did like it South Broadway. Yeah, they did it like with a. Uh, it's called South City Rumble, and they did it with. Um, uh, it, it looked realistic, but they have all the sports cliches that you can think of in this eight-minute movie. And then they said, "We got to talk." <laughs> and then the guy farted. <laughs> and yeah, and farted. Uh, they're. Uh, Where, where's that come from? They they uh they had um they they, you know, if any prop is more integral to a boxing movie than it's a, a towel. towel. <laughs> it's just you know, this is where the chili cook-off plays in with the fart. And yeah, the, yeah, uh, yeah. All yeah. right. The boxer eats chili before the fight. We'll see you next week for <laughs> Toy Story 4. Bail out right now. Yeah. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks Bye. for coming, Jim. Oh, oh wait, we got to do our Yeah, we got to do our roundup. Zeke film.
Now? Yeah. Okay, well, yeah, I have a website called zekefilm.org. Uh, my reviews are there and other reviews that I've mentioned throughout, Z-E-K-E-F-I-L-M.org. We appreciate your clicks and uh, um, good content to be found. I'm also with Screen Anarchy, a bigger website. You can go there and read my reviews of two new Criterion Blu-ray releases. My name is Carl Middleman. You can find me online at underscore Carl the Intern on Twitter and Instagram. You can see all my horn tests for every single blues game this year. And you can hear me on the Big 550 KTRS every Saturday night with Max Foise on Max on Movies. I'm Lynn Venhouse. I can be seen in the Webster Kirkwood Times of uh, uh, print edition, South County Times and West End Word, online, timesnewspapers.com. And I'm on KTRS every Thursday night with Ray and Jay. And they have every episode on podcast. So nice. I was on last night. You can hear me talk about late night. And then uh, we do this every week, Real Times Trio. We are so grateful you could fill in today for Thanks, us, Jim. Jim. And we always enjoy having you. And uh, go Blues. What time's the parade tomorrow, Carl? All damn day. Yeah. So uh, get there early. <laughs> and not uh, that big. Yeah. It's going to go around in circles? No. It's, it's downtown. Uh, but festivities start at 8. The parade's at noon. Carl shaved. I did. I'm I, 67 I, days of this. After Ooh. they won, that's what I tweeted. I go, Carl, you can shave now. So how many days was it? 67. Which oh. is the same year that the Blues started. Creepy. What? Okay. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. <laughs>